This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Thursday. I had to think carefully about what day of the week it was. I quite like Thursday. It's uh, it's the precursor to Friday, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I'm not giving Nick Abbott anything else ever again. I went out of my way today. He was talking about record players, and there was a feature in the Metro on record players. You could, and he looked at them, and he went, oh, it's not my sort of thing, and threw it down on the desk. Never happening again, I tell you. That's him off the Christmas card list. I was going to bake him a special cake for Christmas. I'm not going to bother now. I'm really not. I was, I was, I'm not even going to do a card. Anyway, so good news over in the uh, reality show. Over in the uh, third-rate bunch of old has-beens, because uh, Ricky and uh, Lauren Goodger <gasps> uh, are both kicked out of the programme. She spent most of her time in tears, but that's the trouble with drunks, isn't it, nowadays? And she was a bad drunk. Only on the programme, of course. And um, he says uh, of her, I fell for her. She's apparently still harbouring thoughts for some bank robber or some armed robber or some criminal from age. Who cares, honestly? She's such a dreary old baggage. She really is. And uh, she was booed by the crowd. They don't like you, Lauren. You better get over it. You've made a rod for your own back. You're a stupid person. For 27 years old, you're the dumbest I've ever seen on television. You know, unattractive, Botoxed, filled... Fake hair, there's everything about you that's just not pleasant. Nothing about you that's good at all. I can't think of any redeeming factor. Perhaps if you stayed off television and got yourself a proper job. Where do these people think they're going to end up? I only mention it because, you know, by the age of 27, I was working full-time. I was actually doing something. I mean, did she actually ever have a job, or was she just the uh, the bad drunk in the pub? I don't, I don't quite know what she did, but I'm, I mean, I just assume these people didn't really have jobs before. They just, they just sort of turned up. Let me just do this uh, for you, otherwise we won't be getting any text messages on the programme. And, um, and so I was looking at her, thinking, so what, what do you do? You're, you're somebody who was on a reality show, now you're a numpty, now you're a nobody. Now you're a nobody. And where do, I mean, by the time she gets to 40, do you think she might have something planned out? Does she, she doesn't really think this laughingly ridiculous so-called career is going to be still existing in ten years' time. Because there's no way it's going to be lasting. It'll be, it'll be fizzled out in about a year and she'll end up... Then we'll have stories of, you know, Lauren Goodyear found in park with bottle in hand. You know, that kind of stuff. Because that's the way I see it going. Because at 27, she doesn't even know how to behave. She doesn't know how to speak. She doesn't know how to deal with people. She doesn't seem to have any of the, the social graces. I'm not saying she has to, you know, learn to talk proper like a princess or something like that. But it'd be nice if she could actually string more than half a word together. And she doesn't seem to be able to do it. And I feel, I feel slightly perturbed. So I think they actually deserve... Nobody's ever heard of him and you won't ever hear of him ever again. That's his, uh, his five minutes of fame. She, I bet you this week, will be flog- flogging every aspect of her dreary existence in the Big Brother house. You know, it'll be poor me, poor me, poor me. And we'll all go, oh, why don't you just hot off, for goodness sake, do us all a favour. <laughs> poor me. Oh, yeah. Poor, poor, oh, that's a good one. I thought about that. Poor me, poor me, pour me another drink. I like that. I think I might use that and put it down as my own. <laughs> I'm sure it's been used before. But it's just, you know, she quite clearly only functions when she's a bit tiddled. And I'm putting it politely because, frankly, she's a bad drunk. I mean, she weed in the pool. You know, it doesn't get any more common than that. Uh, and also, because, you know, she made the sex tape and then that man offered 40 grand. No, he didn't. He offered 40 quid, I should imagine. That was probably for a week's worth. Because uh, it's just, you know, you sell every aspect of your life, you deserve everything you get. So anyway, and the, you, the public, decided. I didn't vote. You voted. And you voted to kick her out. And so you kicked her out. So that's good. So she can cry all the way to wherever it is she goes to nowadays. Probably, I mean, perhaps she's got friends. Can't imagine. Perhaps she'll go to, uh, 
to Spain. Mind you, talking of Spain, little little Josephine Essex, sorry, Joey Essex, uh, and Sam Fears have split up again. He had one of his queenie fits and uh, walked out, but I don't ever believe that they were an item. I'm firmly... Because this is about time number five, isn't it? Five, six times they've been together and split up, been together and split up, been together split up, and then she sort of said, oh, no, we, we, we're going to get engaged and we're going to get married. Pfft, yeah, right. Nobody believed that old guff, did they? You can't believe anything that his sisters tell you. Let's face it, they can't even manage their own lives. And uh, Joey Essex, uh, he's just a child. You're dealing with somebody whose mental age is about 11. He can't tell the time. You know, I don't think you need to put it any plainer than that to somebody. But they, they've done Essex the biggest disservice it's ever had. Majority of people in Essex, lovely. Nice people, nice time, everybody goes out in a good time. These people drag it down. Talking of drag, Lauren Goodyear and Chloe Sims do look a bit like drag, don't they? Very bad drag. I've seen better-looking men dressed as women. But Joey Essex has apparently split from Sam for here's. They had a bit of an argument uh, on holiday. I think they were in <coughs> Marbella again or something. Yeah. Uh, celebrating the engagement of Sam's sister's Billy. Who cares? <laughs> They're all naff, aren't they? And uh, he flew home alone after becoming fed up with their constant rows. Uh, apparently, it's been on the rocks for ages. I said to you it was never a relationship. I'm totally convinced. Totally convinced. I think he's one of these people. I think he's asexual. Because think, think about it. Everybody else in the programme have all had extracurricular. I mean, even that fat bloke, Arge, even he's managed to pull Gemma Collins. I mean, God knows, pulling her must be a dead weight. But anyway, he's, he's, he pulled her. It's an old gag, but it's worth weaving into the... Pre- it's the best you're going to get at this value and at this time of the morning. So it's no good flipping round the dial. You won't find anything more interesting. I'm it. I'm it at this... I mean, you know, in this price bracket, I'm the best you're going to get. And this price bracket goes goes quite high for this time of the morning. So anyway, everybody else in, in the show, they've all had extracurriculars with lots of girls. Never read Joey Essex with anybody else, do you? Never read about, you know, girls coming forward going, I spent a night with Joey. It's never happened. You know why? Because it's never happened. That's why he hangs around with Sam for years, because she looks like a mother figure to him. She certainly did in Marbella in the pictures the other day. But um, apparently they split three months later. This is after they he, he, he proposed in Dubai in 2013. Then they split. Then they went back together. Then they split. Then they went back together. Then they split. And now they split again. And uh, that's just about it. So, uh... He, he then uh, tweeted a snap of himself on the plane and joked about the temperature. You know, he's a bit, he sits there with his knees up underneath his chin. I mean, he's a bit simple. It's not his fault, actually. And uh, somebody says he always thought Sam was the one. Yeah, but she'd done the rounds. I mean, who had she not been with in The Only Wears Essex? I mean, I saw an old one the other day, and she was sitting down with one of the blokes, and she was, she was playing him for a good one. So she's quite clearly a bit of an old tart. And then she ends up with him. I think what she saw was, because none of the other blokes she went out with have amounted to anything. They've, they're all a bit a bit simple. Uh, the only one who's made any money is Joey Essex. So best she cling on to that. But, of course, at the end of the day, she's just naff. She's got nothing to talk about. She speaks like a little three-year-old. Somebody says, it'll take him time to get over her. No, it won't. He's finished with her. It won't take him any time at all. He's over her now. Why would it take him time? Nobody's interested. But uh, to kick Lauren Goodger out, I wish they'd kick her out of the country. I wish we could get rid of her completely. But uh, now all you're stuck with is uh, Adele Lynch, used to be in Bewitched, and that's her only claim to fame. Gary Boosie, uh, George Gilby, he's a bit of a simpleton, isn't he? And uh, James Jordan. Oh, and uh, White D. You remember her, the one who used to be on benefits, now isn't on benefits, but probably will have it to go, to go back to it. And uh, Audley Harrison, he's a bit boring. I didn't realise how boring he was. 
What's the matter with these people? And uh, James Jordan, just a nasty little piece of work. So, uh, I don't know. But I, I like the idea that uh, that Lauren Goodyear was booed by the crowd. About time we say, why would you have to put up with this kind of thing? Stop being manipulated, everybody. Stop being manipulated. Get out there and sort of make your feelings known. I felt a bit sorry for poor old Davy Boy Beckham. Yes, David, who, when he's doing one of his modelling pictures, doesn't smile because he looks butch. Then he opens his mouth and you suddenly realise that uh, he's got that little funny voice again, hasn't he? Really? And so he had another tattoo done. This one, they say, it's on his hand, inspired by the rap superstar Jay-Z. David Beckham is uh, is 40, I believe. Well, no, v- uh, Victoria's 40. Oh, sorry, Dave's only 39. Inspired by Jay-Z. <coughs> Anybody with any class does not have tattoos. Unfortunately, neither of them have class. What they do have is a very big PR company behind them that every day there'll be a picture of Davy Boy Butch Beckham, and so now he's got this, this tattoo on his wrist. What an inspiration to the children. How marvellous. That's my dad, the trailer trash. Paul Gascoigne is in the paper um, because he was... Oh, I can't be bothered with him. <laughs> really, I can't be bothered. There's nothing I could say about Paul Gascoigne that would ever redeem him in any way, shape or form because he was uh, arrested for allegedly lobbing a brick at a van. This is after he was seen in a pub cuddling a chicken. It's not right, is it? Perhaps they need to take him into care. And Harry Styles, of all people, has been named one of the 100 most influential figures in Jewish life. Which is hilarious, because he's not even Jewish. They say here he's, he's tweeted about fasting on Yom Kippur. He's ranked 73rd by the Jewish Chronicle. He's got a love of kosher food. And um, <laughs> to wish fans a happy new year in Hebrew, he wore a Star of David to an award show. What? And then somebody who worked with him says he loves the Jewish community. What? Is going on here? He loves the Jewish community? What about the Bangladeshi community? What about the Chinese community? What about the Hungarian? Good Lord, there's all these people, and he goes for the Jewish community. Biggest community there is. Apparently, the Jewish Chronicle said, thanks to Styles, millions of British teens have become familiar with Purim, Pesach and shopping, shepping natchez. No, they haven't. What a load of old rubbish the Jewish Chronicle talk at times. Goodness sake, honestly. They'll latch on to anything, won't they, really? Perhaps the editor wants a picture with Harry Styles. Got to be that, hasn't it? I can't think of any other reason. 84850, steve at uk. We shall uh, we shall get everything in. Actually, I noticed that if if it's a, a no vote, um, then I think uh, Lloyd's and RSB, RS, uh, RBS will stay in Scotland. If it's, if it's a yes vote, they're going to leave. So they will move their branches out of Scotland. Odd, isn't it? Uh, there's that dad, who's the front page of one of the papers today, who's been signed off. He's got morning sickness. He's come out in... There is a name for it. There is a name for it. And uh, he's a security guard, Harry Ashby. He has a condition which mimics fiancé Charlotte's pregnancy. They're not even married. And apparently his condition mimics her pregnancy. So he can claim sickness benefits. Well, that's a ridiculous... I can't see that being all over the place, can't you? Can't you? Happiest place for children in the country. You won't be at all surprised to discover it's not London. And Emily Keat has got a really good job. Emily Keat. What do you think she does that makes it a really good job? I think she's about 19 years old. Oh, and the uh, the top shop is John Lewis. 
and your favourite online retailer, surprise, surprise, turns out to be Amazon. <laughs> Coming up with Nick Ferrari today, it's called Clegg because it's Thursday. The Deputy Prime Minister will take your calls live on LBC. Plus, the day after Miliband, Clegg and Cameron travelled up to Scotland to save the Union, Nick will be asking, did they make any impact? And is it wrong to be tough on somebody who's overweight? That's Nick Ferrari this morning from 7. Don't forget, 6.30, Lisa Aziz in the morning news. They'll have reaction from Scotland as the independence campaign steps up. Plus, they'll look at the highly anticipated verdict in the Oscar Pistorius murder trial. All of that and more with Lisa Aziz at 6.30 today. Uh, it was Noreen's birthday yesterday. She had so many cards, messages, emails, and she's going to Majorca tomorrow morning, which is quite nice. She had uh, wished bon voyage to a few more of my friends, fellow fans, going here, there and everywhere. Everybody's off on holiday, aren't they? Everybody's going on holiday, so you have a nice time there. She says, I think everybody will remember where they were 13 years ago. I, I was listening to you noon to 2pm, just before you ended with Alan Kappa. Coming on, and that, as they say, was uh, history. Yes, we, we broke the news on LBC with Alan Kappa before anybody else. And as I drove home in the car, that's when uh, the whole thing un- unfurled. Why are you wearing a fisherman's sweater today? It's, it's very nice to look... You know, when, when somebody... I don't know if you've ever sucked a fisherman's friend, but you know those the little... They very make hot. them. They, they, have you ever had one? Yeah. Yeah. They're nice, aren't they? They're very good for your very good for your throat. They do them in different. They're made in Scotland, I believe. I, no, I'm just not mention it. You know, passing the time. You know, That's, uh, he does look as though he go, he looks like he's going to play cricket somewhere, doesn't he? I don't know why. That's obviously a new sweater because I've never seen that one before. I've and I've seen most of his clothes. This is the uh, this is James who, who always manages to find the biggest coffee cup, but he's wearing this white sweater today. He looks like he's either going to go fishing. One of these extreme fishing programmes with Robson Green. Or he's going to go and play cricket somewhere. But I don't think he plays cricket. Although, to be honest with you, the uh, the sound of leather on willow. <laughs> Happy days. Happy days for James. And, uh, you know, and rubbing your balls up and down your trousers. Do you remember that? You could always tell who was the bowler because their trousers had this red line that went down there from the cricket ball. Because you'd always... I don't know why. I used to bowl. I was very good. Do you remember that? Am I facing the right way or something? What's going on this morning? I must thank uh, Matthew. Matthew works for one of our sister stations, uh, bless his heart. And I was coming in in the car and we happened to be listening to one of our sister stations, which is unusual because normally they're listening to LBC. And this record came on at about sort of 20 to 3 and I was listening to it. And, and I had the window open to get sort of, you know, the wind flowing through my hair. And uh, what little is left, and we went straight out the window. And I was listening to this song and I thought, you know... I should have shazammed it, but I couldn't be bothered. And also, the window was open; it was a bit too noisy. So when I got in, I nipped up there to have. And I said, "I said, Matt, you haven't got the uh, the uh, the log of what music you were playing." He said, "Yes, I have." He said, "I can tell you exactly what it was. It was Sam Smith and his new single." And I don't normally mention music on the. It's really lovely. It's a really, really lovely record. It's. I mean, it's it's on the album. Apparently, it's called "I'm Not the Only One." And and I wouldn't normally mention it, except it was so nice. And I'm, I'm delighted that he's going to have a, another big hit to follow on from the first one. Because sometimes people have their one hit and it doesn't go any further. So, thank you to Matt. Because Matthew Hardy said, he said, I've, I've, he said, I'll send it to you. So he sent it to me in a 
I was going to say, it's a, is it a JPEG or something? I don't know whether it's a JPEG or something. It's an MP3, is it? Oh, right. See, I know nothing about that. I was surprised when it all popped up on the screen. Nobody was more surprised than me. Uh, other stories in the papers for today. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry, just going back. I do beg your pardon, Noreen. We kind of moved away from you, didn't we? And, um... Anyway, so she is going off to Mallorca on Friday morning. I hope you had a lovely birthday yesterday. I don't know if, if Mallorca is your birthday present from Brian, but I'm sure the weather will be nice. It's not too bad over here, is it? I mean, it's, it's OK. You know, I managed to get through the whole of yesterday's programme without actually uh, mentioning the weather. Even at the end of the programme, I never mentioned the weather. But we had a, we had a lovely day. We had uh, Katie Piper come in. Now, she's a big LBC fan, loves Nick Ferrari. And uh, she came in. Now, you remember Katie Piper? She was the model who went out with this man. He raped her and then got a friend to throw acid in her face. And she was scarred. And so she went through this torture. She's on book number four at the moment. She's got a foundation. And um, people write to her who've been scarred. Sometimes not in attacks, just, you know, in fires and things like that. And she was doing her makeup in the car coming here this morning. Uh, yesterday morning. And uh, she's quite an inspiration. Quite an inspiration. So we had a good chat with her, which you'll be hearing this weekend. And then Pamela Stevenson Connolly, that's Billy Connolly's uh, Pamela Stevenson, came in. She's talking dance. She's got herself a dance, a group of dancers from Brazil. I think it's called Brabusca. Something like, whatever it is, it's pretty sensuous. And she discovered it on a beach over there in Brazil. And she's put these dancers together. They've just stormed it at the Edinburgh Festival. And next week, they're down at the new Wimbledon Theatre, just for the week, and then they're embarking on a world tour. Well, you've never heard such passion in your entire life. So we'll have a chat this weekend to Pamela Stevenson Connolly. And this weekend, we're also running um, Smokey Robinson. The legend that is Smokey Robinson will be with me on Sunday morning with Pamela Stevenson Connolly. And Katie Piper as well. So it's a, it's a fest of three celebrities this week. You're going to love it. Smokey Robinson uh, just being Smokey Robinson. And good. I was delighted to say that a lot of people uh, watched Loose Women yesterday. Not for very long. And they watched the Sir Roger Moore interview. And they all said, your interview, Steve, was so much better. Yes, you promise you can't have people like that. You know what they were saying in one of the papers today? They said that they, they're, they're thinking of taking Loose Women out on the road. I thought, brilliant idea. Uzbekistan would be a nice place to take them to. Yes, get them out of the studio as quick as possible. In fact, just stick them in one of those Eddie Stobart lorries and send them as far away from London or anywhere. Or where, sorry? Yeah, the lorry would be bigger than the studio. They wouldn't know what to do. Well, they'd just have to... I don't know what they do with the rest of it. But, that, but they, they think if they actually take it out on the road, the public will want to meet them. I don't think so. I really don't think so. You know, you're doing your shopping in the Witness Shopping Centre and up come the loose women. I don't think so. Anyway, but they might as well just axe it because it, it, it's just not getting better. I want it to get better, but it's not getting better. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Apparently they're made in, made in Lancashire, Fisherman's Friends. Ten minutes of Celebrity Squares, I got bored and switched to the Interceptors. Yes... I didn't even know it started. We, we, we gave up on it yesterday when they sort of announced it was going to be Eamon Holmes and Ruth Langsford who'd been booked for it. Oh, God. Mind you, I tell you what I did watch. Through the keyhole. What a dreadful pile of rubbish. Have you seen it? Oh, dear. Keith Unfunny Lemon. He's like, he's like a, a disease that won't go away. He's not funny. He's not interesting. Joe Swash was on the panel. 
Is that all he does? You just wander from panel show to panel show. Obviously, the acting's decided they don't want him anymore. And perhaps he'll have to do pantomime. But uh, they had a couple of other people on the panel. I didn't know they were. I might have known one of them. And then... And they go round this house. Well, I say they go in the house because it's obviously done on a budget of about threepence. So Keith Lemon goes round the house. He's just awful. You know, I don't see anything funny, witty, interesting. He's just, he's just a, a sad old man. It was awful. So he goes round this house. And generally speaking, it's, and I'm sort of looking at this house... And it's nothing remarkable. It's a very, very plain, very... How can I describe it? Just very... Not even ordinary. It was, it was just not very exciting. Not very exciting. Uh, a lot of naff pictures on the walls and some, some horribly cheap-looking cushions on the, on the settee in there. It was a bit pokey. And then they do this, and now, for the benefit of you at home and our studio audience, but not the panel, here's whose home it is. And I thought, well, I mean, who would actually put this house up on, on a programme unless you were desperate for the money? Harry Judd? From McBusted, McFly, whatever they're called nowadays. And I thought, you must be really desperate for the money. Why would you want to show somebody your naff house? Unless you're thinking of selling it and moving to something bigger. Oh, it was ghastly. You'd never have known it was a bloke's house. Never have known it was a bloke's house at all. So that was... So I, I sort of watched a bit of that, and then I kind of lost the will to live. I, was, I couldn't be bothered. Uh, Lee says, I wonder what Joey and, uh, and his ex-girlfriend argued about. Whose turn it was to get the ice creams? Who gets the best sun lounger? I don't think they know how to talk about anything, do they? I think they're both... I mean, he's an absolute simpleton, and she's... She's sort of, I don't know, she's one of the unattractive for his sisters. Really, really horrible. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We shall uh, weave everything in on the programme. Um, another one here. It's also telling me Fisherman's Friends are made in Fleetwood in Lancashire. I used to buy them, actually. I used to like those. And then I bought those other little things, which are called... Oh, what are they called? Uh, little hard licorice pills. They used to be called Negroids years and years ago. And they used to come in a little metal tin. They come in a little tin now, but I think it might be plastic. And they're little hard pellets of licorice. Very, very good for throats. Very good for broadcasters. Very good for, for people who go, la, 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 like that. Judy, sit down. Sorry, Judy getting a bit excited there as her, her turn on loose women is coming up. I'll tell you, the, every journalist I've, I've spoken to over the past few days has said, we will be watching. I think she knows this. I think she knows, and I think there's, uh, it's, it's a bit frightening. I'm a bit frightened for her now. I don't really want her to do it. I thought about it last night. Excuse me. Bye. Mm. I thought about it last night, and I thought, you know, to save poor, poor Judy any embarrassment, don't do it. Just say you've, you've had, a, had a change of heart. I think it's, a, I think it's a, the best way forward, because everybody's going to be watching her, unless she's going to absolutely emerge at about sort of eight stone, six pounds or something. But you know that she's, you know, she's reached that time in her life where some people are thin, some people aren't thin. Nick Ferrari's going to be talking about that today, isn't he? He's going to be talking about this, this idea of don't tell people that they're fat. So, uh, so I won't. I mean, I, I always tell people when they're fat because I'm, I am fat, so I, I can do that. And I, I don't quite know. I mean, you know, you don't have to be tough on somebody who's overweight, but there is a problem. And the problem is, you know, for somebody like me, because I'm a, I'm a diabetic... 
then I won't live as long as a normal person. If you are, you know, we have seen people on the television, like 36 stone, 40 stone, and the strain on the heart is, is terrible. It's, it's absolutely, you know, it's at the top end. So I think you have to tell people, you know, say, eat a little bit more of the salad bar. I mean, you know, Gemma Collins, oh, you know, I'm happy to be this size. Well, she's not. She's lied. Because every programme, she tries to lose the weight, and every programme, she fails. Steve Allen on LBC. Yeah, I've just heard a bit of gossip about somebody, and and somebody. I said I bumped into somebody uh, yesterday out in the out in the street, and somebody said, oh, "I'll tell you some gossip about that person." I went, oh, "What now?" They went, "No, I'll tell you later." Went, oh God, uh, nothing worse is there. Uh, David Moore says it's uh, it's my dad's birthday today. John Moore, <laughs> yeah, same surname you share. How interesting. He says uh, being on September the eleventh, I can never forget it. No, my my brother's is end of August. And my mother's was January the 16th. Couldn't tell you what my father's was. And I've just about remembered mine. Uh, and Noreen. We can always remember Noreen as well. Mainly because everybody tells us all the time. <laughs> She's off to, uh, off to Mallorca. Uh, a lot of people complaining about the Apple Watch. They say that it's for right-handers. Lefties have to flip it over. Do, is there still a left-handed shop in London? There used to be. There used to be a left-handed shop. I mean, <coughs> excuse me, I know some people are ambidextrous. That's a court case pending. And uh, I was sort of thinking to myself, you know, because I can't do anything. I can't do many things with my left hand. I can't, I mean, I can't, have you ever tried, if you're right-handed, have you tried writing with your left hand? It's ridiculous, it looks like a three-year-old. I just do not have any control over my left hand at all. It goes on holiday by itself, you know, it goes on different buses from me. It's ridiculous. So, but I've, I've tried. I wish I was ambidextrous. There, there are times, you know, during your life when you think to yourself, I wish I could do it with both hands. I do think that, but it, I've never actually managed it up until now. But I did try the other day, strangely, not thinking about there being a left-handed shop, but I know that there was in London, so you can get left-handed corkscrews and all. And it never actually crossed my mind that it would be a problem. My father was left-handed. My brother is... I think he's right-handed, and uh, I think my mother was right-handed. But I have tried to... For some reason, you just can't grip a pen in the right way, can you? It just, it just doesn't seem right to me. But anyway... Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. So people complaining bitterly about the the watch, saying that lefties have got to flip it over. It's it's a bit difficult. And it never crossed my mind. I don't know. I don't know. As I say, I'm, I need to go round the building and do a survey on who's left-handed and who isn't left-handed. Because there's probably quite a number of people around here. It's just that you don't look, do you? It's only when I, I see people writing, I go, ah, oh, you're left-handed. Uh, imps, says Malcolm. Imps. That's right. They're not sweets, though, are they? They're little tiny bits of hard licorice. Little tiny, tiny things. In fact, I remember once... Oh, a bit of a disaster. I, um... The, the lid fell open in my pocket, and they all fell into the jacket pocket. And, and I, I took the jacket off, and I didn't wear it for some time, so I think it was a winter jacket. When I came to get it out, they'd moulded together in the pocket. And I, years ago, I used to have a thing called a cyan organiser. Do you remember a cyan organiser? And, again, that was in one of my cases with some boiled sweets... Uh, like uh, sort of throat lozenges. And again, they melted over the cyan organiser and completely obliterated it. That was considered quite quite classy to have a cyan organiser. Uh, Hitesh in Reigate, getting ready for a visit to the gym, then work. I don't know how anybody actually gets up in the morning and either goes for a run or goes for a swim and they get stressed and goes to work. I don't know how you manage it. I, re- I really got... I take my hat off to you because I can't do it. I have no inspiration 
in the morning whatsoever. It's all I can do to manage to walk out the place and remember to... Have you got your watch on? Are you, I have to look down at my feet to make sure I put shoes on as opposed to slippers. Not that I wear slippers, you know. Don't start picking on me because of that. Uh, 84850. Uh, <laughs> Dean's very cruel about uh, Judy Finnegan. I think there's something going on here. I don't. I think they've said to her, "So you're right for this," and she went, "Yeah, uh, not maybe this week, <laughs> because so far we haven't seen her, and I want to see her. I really, really want to see her." Very good song uh, for Sam Smith. Have you searched for lots of covers? It uh, so everybody thinks the same. Says Jason, living in Bromley. Yeah, I love this. It's such a nice song. Is it original? Is it his song or is it somebody else's? I don't know. It's it, whatever it is. It's very, very good. Uh, 84850 uk. Other stories in the papers for today Trying to find something of, uh, of any interest I like the, uh, the people that go into a, into a restaurant They open up the freezer There's a dead lion Well, it wouldn't be an alive one, would it? A dead, a dead lion in the freezer And the, the environmental health man was only going there to check on the fact that it was clean And the big cat was frozen amongst food Destined for diners um, He said... Uh, that the zoo gave it to him as meat for his dogs. Oh, my God, Thomas. That's a bit worrying, isn't it? This is uh, the um, Ian Brightmore, the health protection manager for Chichester Council in West Sussex, revealed it as the most bizarre discovery as he looked back on his career. He refused, refused to identify the eatery, but said it was in another area. What do you mean you refuse to identify the eatery? Drag it out of him. I want to know, I wanna know if, I've, if my food's been in a freezer with a dead lion. I want to know about it. He says, uh, we had to take action. The owner was given a mauling, but only because it was the only health code violation. He was allowed to keep trading. Dear God. Very odd, isn't it? Oh, George Clooney is set to star in, in Downton Abbey. Oh, well, that'll be nice, won't it? Will it? I don't know. Does it make any difference? Does it make any difference whether George Clooney goes in? They say it's a mega coup. Well, they need to do something to halt the slide. The cop... Oh, sorry. <laughs> so it's my telephone. <laughs> Thank you for frighten the life out of me, then. Uh, because the the first series of Downton, very good. Second series went off the boil a bit. By the time we got to the third series, we weren't looking so good. So they're obviously thinking that they need to, to keep it going. And so if they bring in George Clooney, apparently all the ladies will be watching. Will they? Will the ladies be watching? I suppose they will, yes. He's already filmed his scenes, which we broadcast in a festive special this December. He's going to play an American attending a wedding at the country estate uh, alongside Hugh Bonneville... Dame Maggie Smith, uh, Rob James Collier and Elizabeth McGovern. I still like the whole idea. I think anything that's got Maggie Smith, and I know it's, I know it's a bit passe to say it nowadays, isn't it? But I do like anything to do with Maggie Smith. She just seems to fit in to those sort of places. You know, she just looks regal. Probably lives in a small little flat. I don't know. I've never, never discovered where, where Dame Maggie lives. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, actually, the, the noise that came in was from the black cab poet. Um, and like I say, as Molly said, I'm not ambidextrous, but I do some things with my left hand, some with my right. Cack-handed, my nan used to call it. They did. They used to say cack I don't know what it meant. Cack-handed. That was, that was what it was. It was funny. I wonder... So if you're, if you're a left-handed person, does that make driving a car a bit difficult? Or not? Because I'm right-handed, yet managed to operate the... Um, I was going to say it's a gear stick. It's not a gear stick at all. It's the uh, the automatic thing in my car. And I do that left-handed. So, obviously, I'm obviously a little bit ambidextrous, I suppose, without sort of realising it. And I can do... I just can't write with my left hand. I wish I could. 
I wish I could. Uh, Justin Bieber, the other day, he gets up on stage to do something, and uh, he was on Fashion Rocks in New York, and, and he got booed. So what did he do? Took his clothes off. And he stands there in his pants, uh, modelling. Sorry? Is that what you do? Do you? Oh. Dear. Not that kind of talk round here in this time of the morning, do we? Honestly. There's animals around here might be frightened by things like that. I mean, he j- so he just... I mean, I suppose, if, if you had a body like Justin Bieber's, and I have, I'm very lucky to say that, uh, well, I say I've, I've, got, I've got three like his, uh, which <laughs> the producer's got five, and, uh, no, I'm being kind, I'm being kind, come on, being kind, six. Uh, so I knock one off. And so he takes his thing off, because he's got all these tattoos, not as many as uh, Davy Boy Beckham's got, so perhaps he isn't as, uh, as addicted, and he stands there in his, in his Klein pants, I don't know what, they're Calvin Klein or something, I don't know what pants they are. Everybody seems to spend a lot of money on pants nowadays. I don't think it makes any difference whether they're labels or whether they just say Marks and Spencer. I just mind just say Marks and Spencers. It's a bit dull and boring. Isn't it? Everybody else around it labels, you know, Calvin Klein or sort of, you know, there's some some um, some Australian underwear which I've seen in some of these shops and so, some of the other shops have got um, you know cartoon characters. That, well, who cares? Who cares when you've got half a page of cartoons round your. Uh, Around your bottom. You know, it doesn't actually make any difference, does it? Who sees them? I don't, I'm not really a fan of novelty underwear. I always think it's a bit overrated. I think, you know, as far as I'm concerned, just plain chill-proof underwear, you know, is fine for everybody else. Some people just like a name, though, don't they, on the, on the, on the band at the top. I find it very dull. Mind you, I don't wear a vest. Look at me, being all bold and bros- bro- brosen. <laughs> being all bold and brazen. I don't wear a vest anymore. My mother used to make me wear one. 37 I was when I stopped. And, uh, and then I, and it was like wearing pyjamas. You know, you get to a certain age, and all of a sudden you stop wearing pyjamas to bed. Because when you're a little kid, you, you have pyjamas, because they're great. Uh, except my one, we had, to, we, had to, we had a few little mishaps. Because, you know, we used to have... Because my, my parents used to have a lot of dinner parties and relatives coming round and they'd be sitting there. And, of course, being the children, we had to go upstairs to get ready for bed, put your pyjamas on. And my mother say, when, when, when you're ready for bed, you can then come down and say goodnight. Which actually, on, on reflection, with hindsight, really, we should have said goodnight, then gone upstairs. Because it was just a waste of energy. You go upstairs, get changed, come back downstairs, they're going back upstairs again. You know, it's like, you know, I felt at one time I was a bit like the Von Trapp family by myself. But I used to have these pyjamas, and my mother very kindly took out the cord, which went round the uh, the trousers, uh, and replaced it with elastic, because it was so much easier. But it had a fly at the front. You know, I suppose, so when you wake up in the middle of the night, you know, and you sort of stumble into the bathroom, you try and sort of find the toilet as opposed to the sink or the bath. And I can remember distinctly the day that it all went horribly wrong in the family. We had some, uh, some of my relatives staying around, and I came, I'd been upstairs to change into my gym jams to come downstairs to say goodnight. And I had my pyjamas on, and so I leant over my aunt to say goodnight and to kiss her goodnight, and it all fell out. I mean, I don't know who was more surprised, her or me. And so I then sort of gave up after that. My mother had to sew the fly up. She said it was a lot safer. Didn't want to frighten the neighbours or the relatives who, for some reason, stopped coming round our house. Don't go round. Stephen will expose himself again. You know, I try not to do things like that. So and then you stop wearing pyjamas. It's like the day that you stop calling your mum, mummy, and your dad, daddy. And I remember distinctly my father saying, I think you can call me dad from now on. Oh, OK. I don't know why we thought... So it's mummy and daddy, and then it became mum and dad. And I know some people used to call their, their parents by their Christian names. Do you? 
So I think that's absolutely dreadful. I could never have called my parents by their Christian names, not in a million years. Oh, God, I wouldn't have liked to have thought of the repercussions. Did you, you do really? You call them by their Christian names? Do you now? Oh, I can't believe it. What, what do you call them? Oh, they're Christian. Jan and Chris. And they're your parents. I'm horrified. I'm horrified. You actually call... I bet James doesn't. No, absolutely not, you see. Different families. Obviously very working class. Anyway, so uh, 14 minutes to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, every 11 minutes to, uh, to five. I don't know if you've noticed, says Val, that Camelot have redesigned their webpage and previously emailed you at 8.30 the following morning to inform you of your lucky ticket. Not now. I've just checked my emails. They contacted me at midnight to congratulate me on my winnings. Trouble is, the website doesn't open until five o'clock. So you can't check the account. Yes, it's been redesigned, hasn't it? I've got... Well, what I tend to do, and I'm, uh, it's probably because I'm slightly superstitious, only slightly superstitious, if I get an email from Camelot, I buy all my tickets online, and uh, what I tend to do is buy them for about five weeks in advance. So I've got five weeks' worth of tickets running at any one time, and they go for the five. And then, so if anything comes in, I don't bother checking until the end. So if they say, oh, congratulations, the ticket you bought for last night's lottery uh, is a winner or whatever it is, because I've been fooled before in the past where you've sort of logged on, you've been really excited, you've been 47 million, and what have you got? £2.25. It's hardly worth bothering. They shouldn't have, you know, wasted my time in the first place. So at the moment, in, in, in order to pretend that I've got a bit of money, I, I leave them in there until they've all been used up. So at the moment, I've got 13 winning tickets sitting in my account, but there's no point in checking it, because it'll probably say something like £67 or something like that, which I just reinvest in more tickets. If, of course, it says £37 million, this is my final programme. OK, I'm just sort of saying that now, just in case I disappear come sort of five o'clock. You know, there might be something like that. You never know. Yeah. Yes, well, well Val thinks it's only £25. If she's won millions, I think she should share. I think it's only right, isn't it, Val, that you would share with us, I think, on that? Yeah, we're in Leicester Square. You can't miss us. I'll happily come down and open the door myself if you're going to share the money with us. But so I, I always do that. And then what I, ha- what I tend to find is I have much nicer weekends by pretending that I've got, say, 37 million sitting in the account. And I always fantasise over what it is. And then I go onto websites and I've, I've already sort of looked at houses and I've decided which house I'm going to move to and how I'm going to plan the money out. I've, I've been through it all in my mind. So when I do win... I am well prepared for it. Some people aren't prepared for it. I've rehearsed this for the past 15 years. So I know exactly what I'm going to do when I, when I win some money. And friends of mine say, even my bank manager, she says to me, I tell you what, why don't you every month give me £100 and I'll give you 50 back, she said, and you'll be up on the deal. Because you'll be doing a dance like better than you are on the lottery. <laughs> oh, dear. Mike in Manchester doesn't like Keith Lemon at all. I don't understand. I think they keep using him, hoping that at some point he's actually going to be funny. Well, I've never seen a programme where he's funny yet. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed that they keep using him. That I think that they've also suddenly... Somebody at ITV must have gone, he's just not funny anymore. Perhaps he works cheap. I don't know. I've got no idea. Uh, 84850 steve at uk. Uh, Tarek says there used to be a left-handed shop in Soho on Beak Street, but it closed in 2006 because of rent increases. They're concentrating on their left-handed club. You can probably buy stuff online, can't you? I would think, you know, buying online would be probably quite a good idea. But, I mean, it, being not left-handed, it doesn't actually, it doesn't actually affect me. So, but I'm assuming that people who are 
left-hand who get get affected by this. The very very um, sad to read a story in the paper about a guy called Jonathan McNally. Jonathan McNally, super fit, twenty-seven years old, and um, he was a personal trainer. Uh, he had been due to star in a Midlands version of Towie, uh, but he hanged himself. Why did he hang himself? He had everything going for him. Um, he was a, a personal trainer. Uh, he was a good-looking boy. He hanged himself because since the age of 15, he had a hang-up about his height. The hang-up was that he thought he was too short at five foot seven. So he'd been troubled by his lack of height since he was 15. Found in a friend's garden. He was a dad of one. Uh, at the inquest, his sister says all through school he was tiny. Test showed he was behind by about two years. He was depressed from a young age about it, but he eventually shot up. Uh, she said her brother had been on antidepressants. Doesn't help. If you're a super fit person and you're on antidepressants, a friend of mine told me the other day that he's, he's on Prozac at the moment. And I said, oh, don't go down that route. Please, please don't go down that route. It's awful. Uh, Jonathan did appear in a Mylene Class pop video. And uh, it was, you know, a little... It's a bit sad, really, that he was so... I did meet a, a kid the other day who was... Um, I won't tell you the circumstances because people listening might uh, might know who he is. But he's very, very small for his age. He was... I think he was, oh, he is, uh, 15. But you would look at him and think he looks about 11. He just hasn't, he hasn't shot up at all. Whereas my godson, as you know, when he was, uh, when he was young, he was, he was small. And then all of a sudden, he's through the roof. He's now 16 and he's about six foot two. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. He's gone from sort of like down here to, whoa, way up there, way up there. But, uh, but for somebody to to take their own life. I think, you know, if somebody's on antidepressants, I'm sorry, but I think that takes you into a different a different area that we're not particularly aware of. And he must have been... If he'd suffered with this since he was 15, but then he shot up, he probably thought five foot seven was too small. Whereas, I don't think five foot seven is too small at all. It's just, it's just normal. It was just normal. So I, I don't see that being, uh, you know being anything to commit suicide over it's such a an easy way out if you're in that place and most of us you know and i'm quite sure that there's uh loads of you listening at the moment who've sort of been in that position where you've not had a particularly brilliant day but you don't consider suicide he was in such a place that he actually considered suicide and went through with it whereas everybody else would go oh no you just talk yourself out of it don't you but in his case, he didn't, because he thought five foot seven was just just too small, I'm afraid. Uh, Dave says, I haven't seen Loose Women yet, but you describe it so well. Maybe they should change the name to Slack Old Sounds. Actually, there's nothing the matter with the, with the panel. They're all... The, the set now is so... So tiny and so constrictive. It's just, it just, it doesn't give any impression. Before it was a nice big desk and they sat behind it. Now they look like they're sitting behind an upturned orange box. It's awful, I'm afraid. Absolutely awful. Uh, 84850. Steve, wait till you're 60, says Chris. You'll then have an urge to start wearing PJs again. Do you think? Do you think? I don't know. Phil says, a dead lion for his dog. Lions are huge. How big's the dog? Ben says, are you going to get the iPhone 6 or 6 Plus? What do you reckon on the Pistorius verdict? I don't know. 
I don't know on that one. I think that one's an open verdict, isn't it, at the moment? We're waiting for the verdict to, to come through, and it'll probably come through this morning, I would think, on James O'Brien's programme. I couldn't even hazard it. To be honest with you, it wasn't until last week when we went, you know that case is still going on? It's still actually going on. This has been, what, seven months? Seven months. I don't know how much evidence they can pump out in seven months. It seems fairly straightforward, but obviously not in the case of South African courts. Uh, and on the subject of the iPhone, I don't know, I asked a friend of mine who's a techie expert, I said, um, will you check him out and let me know which one to go for? Because apparently the bigger iPhone is actually quite, quite big. Quite, and I think that was about £700. And I don't have a problem with, with, the, with the money, but I think to myself, do I actually need a phone that's that big? And on the other hand is, I mean, the watch I like. I do like the watch. The watch seems seems quite good fun. But does it do everything I want it to? I don't really want a watch that's actually going to tell me to sort of go and get some exercise. I don't want anything like that. And that's like your friend's phoning up saying, are you walking? It's like yesterday, a friend of mine phoned me and the quality of the line was so bad. I said, where are you? He said, I'm cycling down Tottenham Court Road. I said, on your phone? He said, hands free. Hands free. I thought that's why the quality is so bad. So, uh, do I want the watch? Probably. Would I use it? I don't know. I've still got a watch uh, from Casio, which is quite nice, but it's got a camera built into it. You've seen that one? Yeah, it's got a miniature camera on the side where the uh, where the dial is, and um, and it takes black and white pictures. I can't. I don't quite know what the purpose of this is. I bought it because it was a gadget years ago. But then I bought the Sinclair Microvision, which was a little one-inch screen television, which looked like a sort of a giant packet of cigarettes. And I had that. I've got the Sony V8 camera, which is enormous. When you look how they've miniaturised everything, and now telephones are miniaturised. There is apparently, if you go down to uh, where did I go to Bletchley Park, they've got the computer museum down there, and there is a room the size of this which is one computer, and there is more power on my Apple than there is in this room full of a computer, which is the size of my, my studio, which, uh, which you've seen before. We've taken pictures of the studio before, so you can see just how, uh, how, how big it is. It's amazing, really, that everything has now been miniaturised. There is so much power in my telephone. So much power. Hard drives. Hilarious. They've got some hard drives down there, and they, uh, they're huge, they're absolutely enormous. He said that's, that would only hold about about two sort of photographs, whereas nowadays I've got 3,000 songs on my phone. That's just songs in here. All be miniaturised, all fantastic, terribly, terribly clever. 84850 oh, steve at uk. Triple rollover on Saturday, so you didn't win that one. Triple rollover on Saturday. That's OK, but triple rollovers aren't half as good as they used to be. They used to be really, really good, and now they sort of say, oh, it's going to be 12 million. I think, hardly worth bothering, actually. Hardly worth bothering. Uh, Nadia is listening to the programme, first time listening to it, and loves it. You see, that's all we need, actually. We just need more people listening. And uh, judging by the audience figures, we don't seem to be doing too badly, thank you very much indeed. Um, 16 years on, the Sixth Senses child star is an acting heavyweight. I see dead, chubby people, he says. And we'll tell you more about that story a little bit later on. Plus, the deaf dad who swindled £800,000 in benefits. They're still reading them in, aren't they? Almost on, a, on an hourly basis, ladies and gentlemen. Still to come, Lloyds and RBS say, unless it's a no, we will go. The dad, who signed off with morning sickness, he qualifies, believe it or not. Paul Gascoigne, 
down on his cluck. That's to do with the uh, the chicken. Uh, the happiest place for children in the country. It's not London. I thought kids would be happy in London, but not. We found the ideal job for a lady called Emily Keat. She's she's the only one, as far as I know. Nobody else has ever done this. Well, other people have done it, but she's sort of kind of living it. Uh, the ambulance, which took an hour to reach a dying man, but he lives right next door to the hospital. He couldn't make it up. And Jean Alexander makes an amazing recovery from a stroke. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That's next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Thursday morning in London town. Paul Gascoigne in some of the papers again. I feel really we should leave him alone if he wants to sort of go down this route. I'm afraid that's the route he has chosen. Forget any wonder drugs. Walking half an hour a day is the best thing for you. I think the Apple iWatch will tell you. If you sit down too long, the watch will sense it and say, get up, go for a walk, do something. Uh, the ambulance, which took an hour to reach a dying man, but he, he lives right next door to the hospital. We thought it would have been easier to wheel the uh, the, uh, the mattress round there in the bed. Jean Alexander, the Coronation Street legend, has made an amazing recovery from a stroke. Oh, and Joey Essex has dumped Sam for here for about the umpteenth time. Does anybody really care about these idiots? No, we don't, but I like mentioning it. All of that and more between now and 6.30 this morning. Plus, we take all your uh, texts and emails. 84850 Steve at lbc.co.uk. <coughs> so here is a deaf couple who raked in nearly a million pounds in benefits. It's so easy to swindle the system. It really is. Uh, what they did, they had non-existent sign language interpreters. The dad, Shahab Reza, launched the scam with his wife after realising how easy it was to get reimbursed. He'd used er, interpreters legitimately in his business. And uh, he got his two kids, who were not deaf... Also submitting fake invoices, plus friends recruited at the mosque. I mean, 800,000. It obviously can't be that difficult to get money out of the system, can it? But we have this on a daily basis now. Every time I open up the newspaper, there is somebody else who has managed to get money out of the system. And it's gone on for ages because nobody checks. They seem to quite happen. You would think, surely the computer would flag something up and say, you know, this person's had an awful lot of money. Can we, can we investigate this? Truth of the matter is, they don't have enough people. They don't have enough staff. They don't have enough people that can go out there and investigate. It sometimes takes the newspapers who have the financial resources to actually go out and check these people. I've seen them doing it on the television when, they, when they've been out there and, and they've been for ages. They were, some woman... Um, and I remember seeing it on the telly ages ago. Her, her scam was that she claimed she couldn't leave the property. And so every time the council came around to check on her, she was sitting in a darkened room with sunglasses on, in a wheelchair, vaguely reminiscent of that sketch from Faulty Towers, where they had to get somebody to play Sybil in bed. And uh, like that. And she, it was it's very cleverly cleverly done scam and this woman was operating the same thing she couldn't go out she was housebound and they were happily paying her money because every time they went round there there she was in the wheelchair in the sitting room curtains drawn dark glasses on looking pale and really suffering quite badly truth the matter was the moment they left she hopped out the wheelchair and went to open a cafe in a local council park and they'd given her money to open the cafe they didn't know it was the same woman until she was spotted and somebody went wait a minute that's the same that's the same woman who's been scamming us for ages. And they get away with it. 
Wasn't there a woman in the paper the other day who'd thieved so much money from you? She'd taken it from you, and me probably, and um, and she'd had about three or four hundred thousand pounds. She'd paid back a hundred thousand, but then promptly declared herself bankrupt, so they couldn't do anything. <laughs> she spent it on her daughter's birthday. She just robbed them blind. It was a company she was working for, which was even worse. Even worse. Even worse. But they get away with it for ages and ages, and then, you know, they go, oh, I'm sorry, and, you know, I'm dreadful. Forget the Apple Watch, says Nick, who's in Market Harborough. Get the Pebble smartwatch, much better looking and works with any Bluetooth phone, and it's cheaper. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I know where you're coming from, but I bought into Apple. Is that wrong? At one time, I had lots of different phones. We all went through lots of different phones, didn't we? They'd bring out a new phone from Samsung or whoever. But now, Apple so dominate the market that when they bring something out, people want it. Even though they haven't tried it, they go on what the experts say and people have, have bought into it. So I've got iPhones. I've got my Apple computer at home. I've, you know, I've had other computers. I like my Apple. I like the light. I like everything about it. And it's the first time in my life, and I'm the first one to hold my hands up and go, I'm not going to be persuaded by, you know, people doing reviews in magazines and things like that. I go by friends. Friends of mine telling me something. And so now, when I look through all the bits of gadgetry I've got, they've got Apple stamped on them. I've got the iPad. I've got the iPad Mini. I've got lots of little gadgets that have got um, music on there, everything, because I like the colours and the little screens and everything else. I mean, all I'm assuming, the uh, the watches, it's the same size screen as they've got from some of their other little uh, Apple nanos and bits and things. Like, you know, that's the sort of thing it is. But I've bought into it. I've bought into it. I mean, they don't seem to have, unless you go into a phone shop, all the different phones. You go into Apple, that's all they sell is Apple products, and there's everybody rushing around there. And the people can help you with it. They can... They can sort you out your your problems. They can. It's you're, you're buying into a into a marketing success. I mean, a big marketing success. They don't even need to take advertising out. The newspapers do it for them. They advertise in advance all these all these different gadgets that come out, and people wait. I mean, there's a man sitting on the pavement up in Regent Street. He's been up there for two days now. He wants to be first in the queue. I don't know. Barbara is on Merseyside. And uh, just about to do a dreadful accent, Barbara. I'm so sorry. I changed my mind. And says, I agree with you. I don't like the new Loose Women's Studio at all. The old one was much better. Yeah, I mean, the audience were in tiered seating. And uh, the desk was big. They could all have room to move around. Now, perhaps they've moved them to a cheaper studio. Perhaps they're, they're cutting back. Perhaps they've, uh, they've obviously decided that, you know, they were wasting money having a bigger studio. Perhaps it's rented. I don't know. I mean, I really don't know that side of it. I just know that it doesn't look very comfortable. It doesn't look very good, and the new format doesn't work at all. But this is Martin Frizzell, who's been out of the business for ages. After he was dropped by um, Good Morning Britain or GMT, whoever it was who he was with for years. I mean, for years and years and years. And obviously television's changed, and I don't think he... Uh, he really has, has worked this one out that well. I, I, I really don't think it is. Some people, Steve, want London to be a separate country. What do you think? I think we are a separate country at times. I really do. I mean, I know that if you live in London and you work in London, you do tend to think it's the hub, don't you? Do you tend to think that if it's happening anywhere, it's going to be happening in London? And yet I've been around... I was watching... It grieves me to tell you this, because I was only watching some marching bands the other day in Edinburgh. And it was the pipes and drums and really stirring stuff, really lovely. And they were showing the police out on the streets in Edinburgh on a Friday, Saturday evening where they've got now super clubs. 
And these are clubs which take in... I suppose to years ago, you might have a couple of hundred people in a club or in a bar. <clears throat> now, thousands of people. And when they spill out onto the streets, what are they like? They're drunks. And the police are out there in Edinburgh. And I thought, this is Edinburgh. It's n- there's no other place like this country for fights outside bars. Go to anywhere else. Go to anywhere else in the world and you will not find the sort of drunks that we have. You go to bars in America. You go to bars in, in the places where they have lots of bars in the Deep South. They don't have fights like we have outside because young people are not allowed to drink in some of these other countries. You can't drink in America till you're 21. You might better get hold of it, but the police will have you off the streets immediately. They don't mess about with it, and they won't serve you anywhere. So, at least they managed to clamp down on that. What do we have? Drunken old baggages fighting on the street. Absolutely appalling. I mean, absolutely dreadful. You know, it really is. Uh, And the police have to deal with this almost on a a daily basis, an hourly basis. They go out there on a Saturday night. They know there's going to be fights. Who'd want to be a police officer? Who would indeed? Bungling ambulance chiefs are in the paper today. This is quite a good story. Because this is, a, this is a, a guy who lived next door to the hospital, Trevor Breyer. Uh, in fact, he was the A&E ward's next-door neighbour. Uh, he had to wait for an hour for help, even though he lived literally yards from the hospital. Admittedly, when you look at it from the air, it, it looks a bit, a bit more than just yards. His widow, Karen, told how she watched her husband deteriorate before her eyes as she waited for the paramedics to arrive. She said... Her grief was made even worse because it took her nearly four months to get an apology from the ambulance service. She said it was the worst night of my life. If I'd had the strength, I'd have carried him to the hospital on my back. I'm so lonely now without him. And it's been even more hard going because I'd been waiting and waiting for the ambulance service to say that they were sorry. Uh, Trevor's a retired police officer, collapsed from a stroke in his home, which backs on to the hospital in uh, Clanathley. In South Wales, she was unable to get him to A and E unaided, even though she can see the hospital from her cul-de-sac home. And in a desperation moment, called for an ambulance. It took just under an hour to reach them after travelling 50 miles from Haverford West. The crew then took Trevor just round the corner to the hospital, where he died two days later. The Welsh Ambulance Service launched an investigation following the tragedy and they've now reported back. When the report came, I picked my way through all the words and there was almost a sense of anticlimax. There's no great revelation. The report may as well say it was extremely busy at the time, very sorry. And that's exactly what happened. That's why the ambulance had to come from so far away. It was a busy time for them. They don't have the resources, harsh though it seems. And I sympathise, you know, really for Karen who's really been put through the mill, because when somebody falls ill and you call the ambulance, you do expect, don't you, that it's going to be there within minutes, an hour, an hour. There was nothing more they could do. That was the nearest ambulance they had, uh, and it had to come from a bit further away. I mean, a rapid response uh, had been sent for Trevor, but it was diverted to a red emergency in Swansea. They have all these different emergency codes for it and sadly he, he died in hospital and and she just feels awful about it and I can well imagine all you want really isn't it at the end of the day somebody to say we're sorry we screwed up we're sorry we didn't have the resources I noticed the other day and I have every sympathy for the ambulance service as well uh, the other day somebody broke into an ambulance and stole its sat nav 
Somebody actually broke into an out because when they pull up for an emergency, they, they leave the doors open, they get round there and they get to the person who's, who's suffering, who might die or, you know, have a broken neck or a broken back or whatever it happens to be. And somebody actually calmly sits in the thing and pinches their sat-nav. I mean, I, I can't think of anything that I would want to happen to those people apart from dying horribly. Um, because you just, I just, I was brought up to that you don't steal from, from ambulance. Why would you steal from ambulances? It's the worst thing ever, isn't it? Worst thing ever. Did you see the programme last night on the television, which was about people who had their pets stuffed? Oh, my God. They had somebody in America, this woman, when, when uh, they unveiled her, her pussycat, it was reclining on a, on a blanket and uh, had its eyes closed. You, this is quite common in America, they do, and they do it over here as well. But to be honest with you, not as big as in America. And she went, oh, and she burst into tears. She went, oh, it looks so lovely, so wonderful. I thought, if you knew what this cat was stuffed with now, you wouldn't be so excited. Almost like a spring inside with sawdust and everything else. Uh, But she loved it. And you could have your pets freeze-dried as well, where they sort of freeze-dry them, and then you have them sitting in a favourite position. I wanted my auntie in it freeze-dried. She wouldn't go for it at all. It's called Clegg today, and uh, the Deputy Prime Minister will be taking your calls with Nick Ferrari. Plus, the day after Miliband, Clegg and Cameron travelled up to Scotland to save the Union, Nick Ferrari will be asking, did they make any impact? And is it wrong to be tough on somebody who's overweight? I suppose it depends on how far overweight they are. That's Nick Ferrari this morning at 7, and uh, Lisa Aziz is here at 6.30. With the morning news, they'll have reaction from Scotland as the independence campaign steps up, plus looking at the highly anticipated verdict in the Oscar... Pistorius murder trial. All of that and more on the morning news with Lisa Aziz at 6.30. So they've got a picture in the paper today of, uh, luckily not not Joey Essex and Sam Verheers, who, if you've just woken up, have split up again for the umpteenth time. Um, I, I, as I say, I never believed it was a relationship in the first place. I always thought it was, uh, it was just done for an effect, and it sort of just... I don't think he's anything. I just think he's nothing. I just think he's a child... And uh, she's uh, she's not the most pleasant person we've seen on the on the programme. I still worry about their shop. They seem to spend most of their time on holiday. I was wondering if they actually ever do any work. I suppose actually, but when you come to Sam for here's, it's so difficult designing perfume, isn't it? And having to go around the country doing an appearance. This they laughingly think is work. Uh, also, very bad night for poor old uh, Lauren Goodyear. Yes, Lauren the drunk Goodyear. Spent most of the time on Big Brother being uh, off her trolley, I'm afraid. And she's been voted off Celebrity Big Brother together with the other waste of space, Ricky, who apparently was in another reality show. Might have been Geordie Shaw or something like that. It just leaves a lot of, uh, a lot of very... A lot of very deeply, deeply depressing people on the programme. Adele Lynch from Bewitched, and there won't be many of you listening who've got the faintest idea who they are. Uh, Gary Boosie, the Hollywood actor, who's slightly cracked. Uh, George Gilby from Gogglebox, a man who can barely string two words together. James Jordan, the one who was dropped from Strictly Come Dancing because he was just not pleasant, and they were looking for a bit of a change. And uh, Audley Harrison and uh, White D. There's a woman who contributes nothing to anybody's life at all, I'm afraid. So you're left with all those people, but you've finally kicked out. You've finally seen the light and decided that Lauren Goodyear really was the waste of space that I told you she was when she first went into the house, when she was denying, oh, I'm not going in there. So expect lots of dreary stories on the front of all the cheap little magazines that appear on the shelves. It'll be out, I should imagine. But in fact, she's probably doing them even as we speak. Uh, dreary stories about the man who offered her £40,000 after her text tape got leaked, which of course nobody's ever seen, so people are now saying is it a figment of her imagination? Depends how drunk she is, I suppose, when you actually question her. But the the one picture they need help with today in the paper is uh, a woman who, they say, is stealing trinkets from a grave 
in a cemetery. She goes walking with her dog. She's quite clearly identifiable. I would think, even looking at this picture here, and parents have appealed for help to find her. She's suspected of stealing treasured mementos of their teenage daughter who was killed in a knife attack. Police have released this CCTV image of a woman they want to trace following the theft from Birmingham Crematorium. Uh, Dad, Jason says, all we have left is our precious memories, our photos and our stories of the 16 and two weeks, 16 years and two weeks she spent in our life. Uh, we also now have a headstone and a plot where we can take flowers and trinkets to make it look as beautiful as Christina was. You can imagine how heartbroken we were when we discovered that people had taken, or somebody had taken, eight items off her plot in July. I mean, they couldn't believe that somebody stole They weren't worth anything. They're, they're just personal little mementos for them. And uh, the heartbreak that they had turned to anger when they saw the woman on CCTV taking them away, and they want to know why. And so they want to uh, to find out exactly who this woman is, so that's why they need your help. She'll be easily identified. She's got a dog, which I would think would probably link her to it, and she's been caught on CCTV. I don't really know, and in my heart of hearts, and with hand on heart this morning, I can't tell you what sort of person uh, would actually steal from a child's grave in a crematorium. I mean, I, I seriously can't tell you, but it's, I mean, it's just, it was a crematorium, so um, it would just be a little plaque that they had up there, wouldn't it, really? But who would steal from that? We've had people in the past, haven't we? I've, I've told uh, tales of a woman and her husband who stole flowers off the, uh, off the graves and then resold them in their shop. I think, as far as I'm concerned, that's a thunderbolt and lightning thing. Somebody should come down and take them away. But this woman who thieved them, I mean, they're worth nothing. What on earth does she think she's doing? Perhaps she didn't realise that there is CCTV. I'm always fascinated by, fascinated by CCTV because uh, everybody's got it nowadays. It's everywhere. You can't drive into London without being caught. What was it somebody said to me once? Something like at least 60 CCTV cameras can plot you from the Hogarth roundabout to hit Piccadilly Circus. At least. I think there's about 12 just on Piccadilly Circus alone. Not just fixed cameras, but movable cameras. Not just movable cameras but cameras that you can zoom in. I know, because I used to work at New Scotland Yard and we used to have great fun playing with the, the cameras there. You'd just dial in a number, you'd look in the little book and they'd go Piccadilly Circus 173, type in 173, and up would come Piccadilly Circus, you'd pick the camera you wanted, and you had a little joystick. We can do it here, upstairs. They can do it upstairs with the, the cameras that, uh, that we have all around London to bring you the best travel, which we'll be getting very, very shortly. And that's why... You can be tracked all over the place. That's why when they do these police camera action things, these people are tracked by not only CCTV cameras if they've stolen cars, but by the police helicopters. More of those, please. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, anybody see Celebrity Squares? I would love to know. Uh, Mel says, I thought I'd try it. Can't say I'd deliberately watch again, but Warwick Davis was excellent as the host. He just makes me laugh. I think Warwick Davis is, is just such a funny person. Love him. Absolutely love him. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. I'm not in the habit, goes Stephanie, of emailing radio stations, but I have to tell you, you're funny and so right. <sighs> My head is getting... I'm going to get out of the studio door if we're not careful this morning. Uh, another one here, this is from Sue, who says, first time listening live, is wide awake for some reason. It's odd, isn't it? You know, I woke up at about 10 o'clock last night. Do you know what I had a craving for? Jelly. I had a craving for a jelly. Luckily, 
I had an elderflower jelly with pomegranate seeds in the, in the fridge. So I had it at 10 o'clock last night. And unfortunately, couldn't get back to sleep because the sugar was a little bit too much for me. But anyway, so Sue listening first time. Been listening on podcast every day for at least two years. That's good. If you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, every day I have a free podcast. And uh, that's mainly concerning celebrities, which is one of my favourite topics of conversation. It's amazing how much I remember. I was talking to somebody yesterday, one of, our, one of our guys in the office, Tom. He said to me, he said, would you, would you like to talk to Boris Johnson for In Conversation? He's got a book coming out. Uh, before he told me about the book coming out, I thought to myself, do I want to talk to Boris Johnson uh, for In Conversation? Is it a book about him, about his rise in politics, or what is it? He said, it's a book about Winston Churchill. And I said, for, uh, for some reason, I don't know, in the back of my mind, I remembered that years ago, with my then producer, David Burge, we went down and we did a series for LBC. It doesn't exist, sadly. It was, uh, it was destroyed years ago, called A Place in the Country. Well, I went round to a lot of National Trust properties and we did, we did a documentary on each one. And I did an hour documentary on Chartwell. So this was the house that was bought for Winston Churchill and his wife by his friends because he didn't have very much money. And so they bought him this house and that's where he did his paintings. And it's, so, it's much smaller than you think it's going to be. And I said, funny you should mention about Winston Churchill. I said, because I did a documentary on Chartwell. I said, and I was only watching the other week his funeral, which was back in, I think, 64, 64, 65. Because I came home from school... I was very young, and uh, my mother was crying in the kitchen. I went, what is it? And she said, Churchill's dead. Well, of course, at that age, I wasn't really aware of who Churchill was. But when I watched the funeral service back on YouTube, the one thing that really gets you is as they load the coffin onto the boat to take him up the Thames, all the cranes on the Thames lowered. They lowered, As he went past them, all the cranes lowered. It's the most amazing thing you'll ever see. And if you're remotely patriotic, and you know how patriotic, patriotic I am, uh, it's, it's quite something. It's quite something. It sounds really naff to say it now, but I promise you, even watching it all these years later, when the cranes all dipped down, that was, that was such an impact that he had. So it should be a very interesting book. Very interesting. Uh, Richard Keels died in California. He was Jaws. Do you remember in the Bond films? He was 74. And he was a big man, but he was fitted with these, uh, with these teeth for the purposes of the film. And uh, it was lovely, because when I walked in, Lindsay said to me, oh, Richard Keel's died. And I went, Richard Ke- oh, right, Richard Keel, Jaws. Jaws. Very sad. Uh, 84850. Jose says, I disagree with you today. Dear, so rare, isn't it? We have drunks, fights and disgusting behaviour in Portugal, Spain, even here in Dubai. It's not only the UK. He says, I've just realised, wait a minute, these acts are usually done by the Brits. There again, you are always right. Yes, it's, it's, why, you know, it's, it's always the Brits, I'm afraid. Sounds awful, doesn't it? But perhaps we just can't handle our booze. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 6, Thursday morning in London town. One Direction fans um, have uh, long suspected the guys of being magic, but now they're taking extra steps and then talks to have uh, Dynamo join them on tour. The Bradford Wizard originally worked together with the lads last year when he was flown out to LA as part of the huge One Direction Day celebrations and with the launch of their fourth album, which I believe has gone right to number one in the iTunes charts on pre-orders alone, which I said it would on the programme, and yet the album's not out for ages. Not out for ages. But uh, they say here... 
that uh, there is talk of him going out on tour with them. I don't know. Do they need do they need magic on the tour? I remember years ago, Earth, Wind and Fire, when they first toured the country, they had magic incorporated into the show, and that went down quite well. But uh, it, it would just mean another cut, wouldn't it? Somebody else who was going to be uh, eating into the money from the One Direction tour. And I'm assuming One Direction make an awful lot of money. They must generate a heck of a, heck of a lot of income. Uh, uh, Steve, I met Richard in a lift in LA when we were both auditioning for the Princess Bride. Oh gosh, sweet gentleman, much love, says Janice, the Flake Girl. See, remember Janice? We go back many, 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 many years. Do we not? Do we not? Uh, Kevin in Sunbury says Warwick is a great presenter. Celebrity Squares is very good. Yes, it's just it's uh, some of the the, uh, the it's the same old people. Isn't it? Catherine Tilsley. You know, and yesterday when they sort of they put up a couple of names and went, oh, no. You know, it was like sort of the Joe Swashes. I can't remember if Joe Swash's name was in there. Uh, and then it was Eamon Holmes and Ruth Langsford. I thought, oh, no, not again. Why don't they just stay in some nights? Do us all a favour. Uh, Churchill died 65. Apparently, there are more CCTV cameras in Basingstoke than New York City. I know, have you been to Basingstoke? I bumped into a lady friend of mine the other day in Twickenham. And uh, she said, uh, she said to me, she went to Cambridge the other day. She said, oh. What a dump. What a dump. I said, yeah, I know. It features on a lot of those police interceptor programmes, Cambridge. You think it's wonderful. My, my, my former producer, Sam, he came from Cambridge and he, he liked it. He doesn't get back there, an offer. And uh, I believe it is the place you go to visit your hubcaps and the remainder of your car as well. I'm sure the Loose Women's studio is the same studio as Good Morning Britain. It's too Americanized, says uh, Francisco. I don't think it's Americanized. I just think it's miniaturized. The latest uh, Loose, Loose Women's set is just appalling. It doesn't, hasn't done them any favours at all. Ruth Langsford the other day, much as I adore Ruth Langsford, it was, they, they were obviously making them do things that they weren't comfy with. They were sort of whizzing through these items. They didn't give any time for anybody. And when you think, Alan Davis came on, I don't know how many minutes it was, but it was probably about three or four minutes. So that would be a car in, a car back. The cost of putting a guest on for a few minutes is ridiculous. I thought the idea was that, you know, it was supposed to be relaxed and gentle. They're trying to turn it into some fast-moving, newsy-type programme. It didn't work at all. Did not work at all. You know, they're all fighting for their own little uh, space. Doesn't always work. Uh, 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. People waiting hours for ambulance all over, L- all over London now due to our new rotors. Oh, dear. And Lynn says, our trip to Hampton Court yesterday was lovely. A lazy boat trip up, on arrival, lunch, then the palace and the gardens, Henry and courtiers in costume, bus back past Busy Sandys. A very magical day. Lovely anniversary. Is it, do you know, I think that's a lovely thing to do. I think I always recommend people, if you, if you really want to do something and you're lazy and you've got the time to do it, take the train to Richmond, go down to the, uh, the riverside and take the boat... From there to Hampton Court, you have to change at Kingston, and uh, it's it's a couple of hours, I think, but it's well worth it. It's just lazy. It's a really lovely thing to do, and it's also you could look at the houses, but there is one house that you will look at out of all the houses on the banks of the river, and it's heading up towards Hampton Court. It's quite near it, and it's one of those Hoff houses. You know the houses that come in kit form. They you actually buy your plot. And somebody comes in and prepares the ground for you and puts the services in. And then this Huff House arrives and they put it up. It's all glass and it's very modern and it might be Swedish or Dutch. I can't remember what it is. But anyway, they're lovely. They're not cheap. And you have the in- interior design. And there's one 
as you head up to Hampton Court Palace and everybody looks at it because they've got lovely rolling grass in front of it which comes right down to the water's edge and it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. I don't know what the house would cost but I would think quite a few million. So to have lunch and then do the palace in the gardens, it's well, I've recommended lots of people to go to Hampton Court for the day. I recommend people to join historic royal palaces because for that you can go there every day if you want for this, this one-off fee, which lasts for a year, and you get a card, and you get the booklets, and you get discounts in the shop and discounts in the, the cafe and the restaurants there. And also there's a members' room, which is very nice at Hampton Court. And you could just sit down and nod off. You know, it's, it's a really nice thing to do. Go around the gardens. There's a horse-drawn uh, vehicle that will take you round as well. It's, and just think, Henry VIII did spend time there. You can walk in his footsteps. It's very, it's, it's, it's very, very magical. I love it. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We shall uh, try and mention as many as we can. Try and mention as many as we can. It'll be very interesting, won't it, if, if Dynamo does perform with One Direction, if Dynamo does go on tour with them. I don't think so. I mean, do you think he might? Are you sending another word this morning? No, we were so rubbish the other day. We were terribly rubbish, I'm afraid. So I decided, I decided that we weren't going to do another one of these words. We were, we were all better on, on first day round. We weren't better on second day, were we? I see that uh, Big Fat Gypsy Wedding Paddy Doherty, a man who's a total waste of space, uh, is believed to have had his front teeth knocked out in a graveside brawl involving 40 people. You sometimes wonder about these travellers, don't you? Whether or not they just spend their entire life fighting. John Joyce, one of the mourners, says it was over a feud between families. Oh, God, why don't they just grow up and get over themselves? Doherty knew he was not welcome. Oh, my God, fathers. You just <laughs> give up completely, don't you? Uh, I love uh, Penman investigating. Because it used to be Summerland and Penman, and now we've obviously cut the budget and we've got one. And we have another story about Louis Tomlinson. He does seem to lurch from one disaster to another. And uh, the latest here is about a drink, uh, which was promoted on Twitter last year by Louis Tomlinson of One Direction, who deleted his tweet after the Mirror asked why he was plugging the stuff to impressionable young fans. He does, he's not the most intelligent, is he, Louis Tomlinson? Wasn't he the one who was going to buy Doncaster and then that all fell through? That was another old, old Huey, wasn't it? But uh, obviously not the brightest penny in the box. But um, now a Sheffield firm called 8020 Ventures is in hot water for claiming that this drink can burn fat, suppress the appetite, improve skin and sleep quality and cleanse and detoxify. The Advertising Standards Authority asked the firm to supply evidence to support the claims. It didn't. They've just pulled another advert on the television, haven't they? There was something else that was making claims that it did this and that. And, you know, if you, if you suspect something sounds too good to be true, the chances are it is. The chances are it is. I always love it. There'll always be a little bit of PR puff in the mail. They're always quite good at doing the PR puff bits. And they'll say, oh, this new cream now, eagerly anticipated, arriving in boots at 19.99. And uh, this one is the miracle to end all miracles. Well, I've been using that stuff now, which claims to sort of make your skin look 20 years younger. And I've been using it for a year. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. And believe you me... I am the sort of person who does buy cream. I, do, I, I don't necessarily want to hold back the years. I just want to make myself look a little bit better. And I'm thinking if below the neck you're not exactly stunning, at least make sure the face looks OK. Coronation Street legend Jean Alexander in all the papers today. Uh, she's back home. She's 87. 87. I'm, I'm meeting more and more people. I spoke to somebody the other day who was asking me about Roger Moore. And uh, because, well, in fact, actually, it was somebody who's organising his tour from the same office 
that uh, Roger is about to embark on. And, and they said, how was it? I said, he was charming. He, I said, he was so charming. And Jean Alexander would be lovely as well. So she, she had a stroke. She played Hilda Ogden for 23 years. Then she went into Last of the Summer Wine. And uh, she was rushed in June to, uh, to hospital, moved to a specialist care home. And it was feared she'd end up staying for some time. She says, uh, now, she says, after that little hiccup, I'm back home. 87. She says, I'm getting on with life as normal. She said the staff had been magnificent. And she hasn't acted since 2010. But that doesn't, that doesn't say she can't at the age of 87. I mean, she, was, she, was, she said she loved playing Hilda. I never envisaged how iconic she would become. But to be able to make her someone that so many people recognised was an honour. Because whenever you hear Jean Alexander talk, she's actually quite posh. She's terribly posh like that, but with Hilda... <laughs> Stan! <laughs> Sorry, that was actually quite uncanny, I thought. Quite uncanny. Uh, 84850, steve at We found the most principled man in politics. This is Dennis Skinner. He says, I will not accept my £7,000 pay rise until they unfreeze the pay of the working-class people, and that won't be for a long while. He's probably right, actually. What are working-class people? I'm working-class people, am I? I'm, I think I'm working. I'm not down a mine or anything like that. But I'm, I'm working for a living, so I'm assuming I'm, I'm working-class. If you tell somebody they're fat, apparently it makes them eat more. Why would it do that? So, no, you're fat. I'll go and eat something. Well, how does that work? How does that, I don't know. That my stomach, incidentally, playing up there. Um... I don't understand how that works. If you tell somebody they're fat, it makes them eat more. Is it because people feel guilty? We've all done it, haven't we? It's like opening a packet of Pringles and you have one or two and then you think, I really can't, I'm going to pick up ten now, see if I can get ten in my mouth at the same time. <laughs> and you can. It is actually possible. And yesterday I had to eat, what did I have to eat yesterday? Oh, I had steak. For the first time in ages. Because you remember I was saying, I need to vary the diet. I don't want to eat chicken all the time. And I don't want to eat fish, because I'm not really a fish person, so I just do salmon. I need to have a word with Stuart about this in Sandys. He's, he's probably going to advise me better. I really, really want to try lobster. But I just, for some reason, I'm worried I might buy a lobster. There's no problem with buying the thing and having it dressed. You know, little coat and hat and things like that. And, uh, but it's, it's just the eating of it. I'm worried I might not like it. Perhaps I need to try it something. Or crab. Perhaps I need to try crab. I mean, all these things are possible. I could, I could vary the diet. Somebody said try halibut. I didn't fancy that. And I don't do oily fish either. In fact, actually, when it comes to food, I'm a total disaster. A total disaster. At uh, the time now, in case you are clock-watching and you're sort of on the way to either catch a train or do something else, quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 11 minutes to uh, six. I've just woken up, says Michael, who's in Cornwall, and heard your comments about fishermen's friends. Made in Fleetwood in Lancashire, which, of course, is very near my all-time favourite holiday resort, Blackpool. That's a joke, incidentally. I absolutely hated Blackpool. I thought it was one of the worst places I'd ever been to. I'm sure it's lovely if you're northern, you know, and that's the best you can get, but you need to come down south to appreciate. There's probably some really lovely holiday and seaside resorts. Blackpool, sadly, is not one of them. It's got everything there. It's got trams, it's got a beach, it's got a tower, it's the people. And it's got a lot of really tacky hotels and bed and breakfasts, and it's all, it's chips and rock and stuff like that, which might suit some people. It's just not my favourite place. It is full of some of the worst people I've ever seen in my entire life. Anyway, Mike is a fellow diabetic, and he says, I'm taking chromium supplement, chromium supplement, to help control my bloods. It seems to work really well. And cinnamon tablets. 
Never even heard of cinnamon tablets. There's so many things you can take, aren't there? I mean, I, I, I try and eat a piece of fruit and I try and do vegetables. And yesterday I just did steak and sprouts. I know. My, we're back to sprouts again, I'm afraid. Luckily, sprouts are sort of just coming back into season. They're actually quite good at the moment. So I had steak and sprouts, uh, which was lovely. And I've just had an orange. So I'm thinking that's sort of part of the, uh, the five a day. He says, oh, and on the subject of Keith Lemon, I can't stand him. He's just not funny. I don't know why they keep using him. When I watched Through the Keyhole, which used to be such a good programme with David Frost as we go through the keyhole, and uh, he would do it with Lloyd Grossman, and now it's been reduced to some, some tacky little double entendre show with the deeply unfunny Keith Lemon. I don't know why they can't find somebody, somebody better to do it. They seem to use the same people on ITV all the time. Mind you, the BBC are a bit like that, aren't they? But uh, uh, over on ITV, they go, oh, it's a panel show. Oh, God, here they are. It's the same people. There must be a list of people who are eminently available and work cheap. Very dreary. How many people wake up each year during operations, do you think? How many people wake up? This is, this is why some people get quite frightened. I've got a friend of mine who is terrified of going in for operations because he thinks that they're going to take all his clothes off. I said, well, they will. They will be taking your clothes off for an operation. Well, you can take them off yourself, but uh, you don't go in there fully clothed because they've got to sort of kind of get you. But how many people wake up during operations when they think that they've been anaesthetised? Would you believe 150 people a year? It doesn't seem very many when you consider how many operations are actually... I would have thought one would have been a disaster. One woman uh, here told researchers she could hear voices around her but couldn't move a muscle. Whilst they fiddled, I frantically tried to decide whether I was about to die. Oh, God, can you imagine? Perish the thought, even the thought of that makes me feel quite queasy. Some people reported feeling pain, uh, paralysis and choking. Some even believed they were dying. And 41%, well, actually, do you know, strangely enough, that dying thing is quite common. When I had an operation when I was very young, when I was about 14, I had a... Uh, a growth which had to be cut out and they gave me an anaesthetic and people fight anaesthetic and I, the only reason you fight it is because you think they're going to kill you and mine involved it looked like a jelly or something that's all I remember I can only tell you it looked like a, a Vaseline or something in a syringe which they put in and then said count to ten and I thought yeah right one gone out for the count. And when I woke up, I had a craving for Marmite sandwiches, which they duly brought me, and I probably brought back up again, which, uh, just to impress them even more. But I did feel, as I was going under, you do think, oh, my goodness me, I don't think this is right. But, of course, they have, you know, the anaesthetists uh, are highly prized within the NHS, but 150 people a year wake up. Well, they think they wake up. They're not too sure, because I would have thought that the NHS would have to have figures on something like that. But it is a frightening thought, isn't it? I'm sorry if you're going in for an operation today. It's going to probably ruin your Thursday, hasn't it? The other thing is that Boris has called for what to be scrapped? Diesel cars. They finally decided that they're a health hazard. Scrap them and pay the owners £2,000, Boris has told the MPs. Now, years ago, we were all told to buy diesel. I didn't buy one. I didn't take any notice of it because I didn't have any money at the time. But they said, buy a diesel car. Diesel is cheaper. It's the way forward. Now, diesel is so expensive, nobody can afford to run them. And we're being told that they're, they're not only gas guzzlers, but their fumes harm our health. Boris wants a national scrappage scheme to take... So if you just spent a fortune buying a diesel car, they're only going to offer you between £1,000 and £2,000. He said millions of people were unfairly seduced into buying diesel by being told it was greener. We were. 
We were absolutely told that. You know, go go green. Go, well, I couldn't afford to go green. Not that I was particularly bothered about going green. I thought, let everybody else do it. I'm quite happy staying where I was. But to buy these cars was the way forward. And we were told that if you buy diesel, it was greener, it was better for the environment. We were fed as much hogwash as you could shake a stick at. Now we're being told it's rubbish. Absolute rubbish. And diesel prices have gone through the roof. That's not putting petrol in your car anyway nowadays. So I feel sorry for people who've got a diesel car. We used to have diesel cars at LBC. We were part of the Go Greener. They were noisier. I did think that they were noisier than any other vehicle. And now, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the, the way forward is these hybrid cars, part electric, part petrol. Those I like, except where every time you get to traffic lights, it turns itself off. Well, that's what it sounds like. And, and, and that I get fairly, fairly worried about. Uh, the firm's out in force for Harry's heroes. Yes, Prince Harry, who apparently has, has organised this all by himself. He's been very hands-on. And so they all turned up. His brother was there. Camilla turned up. His dad. It was the, uh, the meeting of the firm again. They're obviously trying to sell Harry as something, aren't they? They're obviously trying to do the damage limitation. After we've had the, uh, the Nazi outfit, after we had Harry taking his clothes off, after we had Harry behaving very badly in nightclubs, after we had Harry the drunk, now it's Harry who's, uh, who's organised this big games thing and uh, they get a message from Michelle Obama and it gives it the seal of approval and, uh, and everybody's fairly happy with it. I think it's the way of saying to Harry, listen, you're never actually going to be king. So let's try and find something else for you. Because I don't know whether or not he's actually gone back into the forces or whether he's just doing his charitable works now. But obviously Camilla and William get on really well, which I quite like. I mean, you know, I don't think they ever forget their their mum at all. But they've got all these wheelchair uh, basketball players. They've got uh, athletes, people doing archery and cycling. And Harry, as I say, who has just organised it all by himself, is just such a clever boy. And uh, Charles goes, very good, very, very good. And everybody seems fairly happy with it. Went well, six and a half thousand people. And they've got four days of it. They also had uh, uh, wounded veterans, which, they, you know, I mean, they did the, uh, the South Pole thing. So obviously trying to turn him into, into sort of, you know, man of the people. William is going to be uh, king at some point. I don't know whether or not we're ever going to have a, a King Charles. I don't know whether that's going to happen. But uh, we're certainly going to have another baby on the way. As uh, we're all, I, think, I suspect by the time we get to the end of it, you'll be bored witless. You'll be getting to the end going, so woman has baby. And we all got excited first time round, didn't we? After two, I think we might lose interest a little tiny bit. But there's a car coming up for sale that I, I would really quite like to buy. I can't afford it because it's going to go for quite a bit of money. And uh, it's uh, designed by Lady Docker. She was a former showgirl who turned exuberant socialites, uh, socialite who acquired a taste for the high life through a succession of marriages to wealthy businessmen. She ended her day penniless in 1983 in a London hotel. But her car, it's a 1954 limo. Uh, it, it's got crocodile skin, silk, uh, special luggage that went in the, the boot. It's got 5,000 stars hand-painted in silver on the coachwork. It cost £12,500 to transform it. I mean, that was, the, that was the cost of a good semi-detached home in those days. And so she had it done. It's a Daimler. It's going to come up uh, for auction on Saturday. They reckon it could fetch up to £160,000. The couple used the car at the wedding of Grace Kelly and Prince Renier of Monaco. And their invitations are offered for sale with the car at the auction 
in Chichester in West Sussex. It's got hand-woven grey silk for the rear upholstery. Mink is too hot to sit on. Four crocodile skin suitcases were tailored to fit the boot. It's an interesting one. I don't know who would buy it, and I don't know what you do with it. The only thing you could do with this thing, I don't know how many miles are on the clock, is, is to put it into a museum. I, d- I, d- I don't know what else you do with it. I suppose there'll be all sorts of companies that might want to go for it. Uh, P&J Wood down in Essex, they like old cars. Whether somebody would buy this as a, as a souvenir because it was owned by somebody who who literally flaunted money all over the place, and as I say, died penniless in a London hotel in 1983. But uh, it's, it's, it's got the mascot at the front, and apparently it's her nude. Her nude, immortalised in silver on the front of it, and you get the invitation to the wedding. So 160,000. I don't think it'll go that high. I'd be very surprised. I looked at it. It's a nice car. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's actually quite, quite nice, but £160,000. If somebody buys it for that, then they're going to have to try and sell it on, aren't they? So it could only go in a museum. And I don't know what sort of museum would want to, would want to take something like that. More of your texts and emails coming in this morning to LBC. Um, another one here says, Steve Diesel cars. We were fooled into buying one. It's awful. Broke down again yesterday. We're now getting rid of it pronto says Margaret, who's down in uh, St Ives. If all the people from down south who have trips to Blackpool for their drunken weekends didn't go there, it would be a lot nicer. Would you think it's us? We're not very good, the Brits, are we, going round abroad, I'm afraid. Uh, I do remember the cranes dipping, goose pimple stuff. Diana would have been proud of the boys, Harry and Invictus and little George and and the other one. Uh, Love to go to Hampton Court. And Wisley too, lovely this time of year. And I have eaten chicken Kiev. Oh, I think it was that uh, thing that all the Brits loved, didn't it? Chicken Kiev. It was that one meal that you couldn't go wrong with. And what have I got in my fridge for today? I've got chicken Kiev again. I might have that with... I'm trying to think what to have it with. Sprouts? Me and my sprout addiction. It'll get me into trouble one of these days. Uh, it's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast on LBC with you till 6.30 this morning. You're very welcome. It's nice to have your company. If you're on holiday today, we know that Noreen is off... Uh, on holiday to Mallorca tomorrow as part of a birthday treat, no doubt. Plenty more to come. The dad who's been signed off with morning sickness. And he can get benefits as well. The ideal job for Emily Keat. What is it she does that is so unique? Telling somebody they're fat makes them eat more. Your top of the shops, the top shop that you voted for in a recent survey is John Lewis. And we'll have their figures out later on today. And your favourite online retailer is Amazon. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Thursday morning. In London Town. It's probably Thursday morning where you are as well. I don't know why I said Thursday morning in London Town. Why should I say that? What a ridiculous thing to say. Anyway, it's nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen with you until 6.30. The dad on the front page of the papers this morning who's going to be signed off with morning sickness. Tom's dad was in the Navy and was part of the funeral procession. He's pictured right alongside the coffin of Winston Churchill as it's wheeled through the streets of London. My dad passed away 12 years ago and we only found out when my mum was at the uh, London Museum, saw a picture and recognised him. There's something, isn't it? It's amazing. Check it out on YouTube. It's, it's really, when, you, when the cranes come down, that's a very sad moment. Top of the shops, John Lewis and Susanna Reid takes the plunge. 
I know, it's not swimming. You were hoping it was going to be swimming, but uh, she's wearing a, a cheap Asda dress. I think people have said, you know, can we see just a bit... I, I don't know, know if it's pulling in the audience at the moment. I know loose women must be losing them all over the place. It's gone very pear-shaped there. It's not, it's not working at all. And we're still waiting to see Judy Finnegan. I'm always doing a, a solo campaign for Judy. Although the more I think about it, the more attention I draw to it, the more I worry about it. Oh, and Joey Essex has dumped Sam for his throughout the umpteenth time. It really is like children, isn't it? And oily fish. Having been told that oily fish over the years is good for you, and you know me and fish anyway, so I'm not particularly good with this, but apparently what can it fight in the elderly? Deafness. Deafness it can fight in the elderly. If you eat oily fish, how that works, I've got no idea. I really don't know. But two servings of fish a week can slash the risk of hearing loss by a fifth. Um, oily fish like sardines. Sa- oh, salmon's classed as an oily fish, is it? Oh, well, I eat salmon. That's OK. And mackerel. Oh, couldn't bear to touch it. Uh, are rich in omega-3 fatty acids. And apparently it's been shown to stave off... Wait for this one. I mean, it seems like the miracle of all miracles. Heart disease, dementia, cancer depression and arthritis. And now a study of women has shown that consumption can lower the risk of deafness. What a brilliant idea. What a brilliant, brilliant idea. I, have to, I think today we might have to forego the chicken Kiev and we might have to go for, for some salmon again. I didn't realise it was classed as an oily fish. Uh, my friend Lynn, as you know, from Welsh Wales, uh, her mother, Anna, is, uh, is in a very nice home at the moment and she's, she's quite clearly in, enjoying it. It's her birthday today. I'm not allowed to tell you how old Anna is, so uh, all I know is I have to wish her a very, very happy birthday uh, from Lynn and from all your friends, Anna, so have a, have a great day. She's a, she's, she's a big LBC listener. I know she listens to LBC a lot, and so Lynn, Lynn sent me a text the other day. She said, can you mention my mum Anna's birthday? I said, absolutely, because I think she'll be up at this time of the morning getting ready for breakfast, so Anna, have a lovely, lovely day. And uh, I think she's over 60. That's all I can tell you. I can't tell you any more than that. And lots of love from everybody as well. And if you're celebrating your birthday today, many, many happy returns of the day. I hope it's wonderful. It's, uh, I can't work out at the moment, have all the children gone back to school? Because the trains aren't as full of the children as I was expecting. Yesterday, I, I, we did the two interviews. One with Katie Piper, who you'll hear this Sunday. And uh, the other as well with Pamela Stevenson Connolly, which will be this Sunday as well, and Smokey Robinson this coming Sunday. We'll have some clips. Tomorrow being Friday, we'll have some clips on the programme tomorrow. So not one, not two, but three clips tomorrow. Producer's so excited. He just loves it on Friday when it's clip day. And I go, we've got three clips to do this week. So that'll be worth, uh, worth having. The only reason I mention it is because Miss um, Piper is a big fan of LBC, big fan, Katie Piper, big fan of LBC, and I'd said we were sitting in the in the next door studio, and it wasn't till we were going to the college she said, oh, "I love Nick Ferrari." I thought I should have whisked her back round so she could see Nick Ferrari doing his program yesterday because she was here very early in the morning, very early, and uh, and then today we have Peter Davidson to do, formerly from All Creatures Great and Small. He's live on stage. We'll tell you more about that. That'll probably be for next week's program. Donny Osmond's going to come back in as well. On the programme, uh, David Badil, we've got coming up, and uh, and probably after this morning, Boris Johnson coming to talk about Winston Churchill. It's interesting. I don't know how Boris finds time to do a book on Winston Churchill. He's always far too busy. Far too, when, do you, when do you find time to write a book? But uh, I'm sure it'll be absolutely fantastic, and uh, we shall do it on we shall do it on LBC. I think we'll probably do it for in in conversation. Apparently, if you are a young woman 
Um, you see groping as normal on a boozy night out. This is a culture of heavy drinking, which has led to sexual molestation, becoming the normal a night out for young women, and they feel they have to put up with it. In a disturbing insight into how 18- to 24-year-olds behave on a night out, a survey's found that one in three girls received inappropriate or unwanted physical attention or groping, but few were surprised. I think I have to hold my hands up on this one and say I'm not surprised at all. That's what drink does to people. You saw Lauren Goodyear, you know, a disgrace to anybody's age, and she's 27, so she's, uh, she's just outside the survey, and she's still inappropriate. I think just breathing is inappropriate for her, but that's just my personal opinion. And so people do. Pe- you see people. People become affectionate, don't they? When they've had a, and I'm, I have to hold my hands up. I'm fairly tactile when I've had a couple of drinks. When I've had three, I'm terrible. I just can't help it. I just love everybody. It's, it's, it's not sort of a... It's, it, it isn't a groping kind of thing or anything like that. It's, it's just... You just want to be... You just want to be everybody's friend, don't you, when you've had a... You know, when you've had a few drinks. But apparently young women see it as quite normal. Not surprised women have to go out in groups. It gets worse and worse. Trucker Phil says, fish warding off deafness. He said, I can't believe you didn't know about this, Steve. Surely you've heard about herring aids. Herring aids... I'm so sorry. I'm going to take myself out and uh, and remonstrate with myself. That's possibly the worst. That's possibly the worst. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk. Bob in Barking. Drunkenness is a problem in Blackpool. Of that there is no doubt, but uh, not as much as all the as the dogs mess. The whole place is filthy. Well, actually, I didn't notice whether or not it was. Uh, whether or not it was sort of dirty like that. I just thought the whole place looked a bit run down, I'm afraid. You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm really, really, really surprised that, that nobody's been up there and, uh, and, and cleaned it all up. But they haven't, actually. 84850, steve at uk. And uh, we shall weave everything in on the programme, every single thing. There's, uh, there's another one here who says, oh, this is Kevin the Milkman who has, wait for this one, he had his first mince pie of the season yesterday at the Costco Cafe in Chingford. They didn't have, tell me they didn't have mince pies, did they? I was in Costco the other day down in Farnborough. I didn't see any mince pies at all. If I'd known they had mince pies there, I probably would have had one. Phil says, I think you should buy that car uh, that you would be, uh, you'd get noticed in it. It's, it's a bit too big for me, that car. This is Lady Docker's vehicle. £160,000. It's a wee bit out of my price bracket. Wee bit out of my price bracket. <laughs> uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, have you ever tried sprouts raw, says Alan? I don't think you're supposed to eat them raw, are you? I, I tell you what I used to be fairly addicted to some years ago. I used to eat um, raw potato. And somebody said you shouldn't, and I can't remember why, but you shouldn't eat raw potato. And, and the reason is it's got something in it. Is it starch? Or I don't know. But my mother, when she used to make chips, I would eat a bit of the potato. I used to quite like potato skin. Uncooked. Sure, it's not normal, is it? Quite, quite sure it's not uh, not normal at all. Uh, other stories in the papers today. Poor old Susanna Reid. They'll do anything to try and get an audience for the uh, programme. And uh, now she's wearing uh, a dress courtesy of, of Asda. Apparently she was reportedly told to lighten her hair, nod pleasantly and wear bright clothing after the show failed to win over audiences upon its launch in May. 
They have to analyse things, don't they? They have, they have what they call focus groups. Thank goodness we don't have it in radio. Can you imagine if you had things like that in, in radio, where they were sort of saying, you know, we, we, we think the presenter should wear this. I've started wearing white shirts a lot. I never used to wear white shirts. And I've suddenly realised that white shirts are so cheap to buy that it's kind of the way forward. So I, every week I go out, not every week, but quite, quite a few weeks, and I buy cheap white shirts. Three, three for 27 quid, which I think is really, really cheap. But you'd never know, because worn on my body, they look really expensive. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, 6.20, Dale, very excited. He said, look who's just appeared on a sponsored tweet on my feed. Yes, Peter Andre. Peter Andre is ending his UK tour at Butlin's Minehead Arena. Doesn't quite go together, does it? Butlin's Minehead Arena. But uh, that's where Peter Andre is going to be. It's his big night tour, plus very special guests. I'm assuming it'll be the children. I can't think of anybody else who could be a special guest. Uh, very quickly, on the subject of uh, poppies, it's amazing how many of you have taken our advice to go up to the Tower of London to actually have a look at the poppies up there. Jude says, wonderful display. That's Judith, I do beg your pardon, Judith. I abbreviated your name. Uh, Neil says, I think Boris is targeting older diesel cars. New ones have very expensive filters to meet uh, Euro 5 and soon 6 emissions. Diesel produces larger particles compared to petrol. Both are harmful. Diesel costs about 4% more than petrol, but is about... 20% 20% more economical. It's not a simple problem, but you're right. Hybrid is the future. I'm never wrong. I'm never wrong. I have a hybrid car. I mean, I'd, I'd quite like to buy one myself, but to be honest with you, I've not found one that's, that's sort of got the, the compromise of luxury and speed and, and all the other gadgets. Although I find lots of cars out there that have far more gadgets than my car have got on it. It's not unusual to get into a small car now. and They've got the sat-nav, television. They've got everything. You know, all, all built in. It's all terribly clever. Mine's a little bit older than that. But uh, we generate 70% of our power from coal and 45% of our coal from Mr Putin. Or we used to. Not simple, says Neil, on the A419 in his diesel motor. They were noisy, though, weren't they? I used to think that diesel cars were terribly noisy. Um, another one. <laughs> Brace yourself for this one. A mate of mine ate a raw daffodil bulb, says Mike, thinking it was an onion. He's been in intensive care ever since, but it's all right. They've said he'll be out in the spring. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Take myself (laughs) to shoot myself quickly as possible. Uh, Neil says, Boris and his ideas, crazy. Love the sound of Lady Docker's car. I could see you nipping up to Northweald Market in it. Lorraine and I finally now have some furniture. Yippee! It'll be great, actually, to better put our clothes away. Mind you, I'm going to miss the large cardboard that I've been using for the, uh, the last six weeks. We're off to the Tower of London tomorrow morning to see the poppies and down to Harrods for afternoon tea. I, th- I don't think you will fail to be moved by the, by the poppies. I really, I don't think you will. Uh, Dan is all geared up for midnight tonight. Why? The pre-order of his new iPhone 6 Plus. Like me, he says, I want the big boy. Are you ordering or buying? Um, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I know it's, it's midnight, isn't it, that you can put your pre-orders in. And then how, how long you have to wait for it, I don't know. So you, you might have to be my, my mole on the ground on this one, Dan. I'll check with you later. Uh, I drive past the Huff House in Hampton, my way home from work most days. You'll see it's valued at 1.64 million. Some of the other... Oh, 1.64, is it? Thank you, Jill. Isn't it terribly... Do you know, the trouble is the internet has opened up a whole new... 
whole new can of worms. You can see somebody's house, you can see how much it's worth, because they can tell you other ones that have been bought in the area. Another one here. Andrew says, sprouts. I love sprouts. Do you know, it's funny, some people absolutely hate them. I tell you what I don't do. I don't do parsnips. I can't get excited about... Oh, you love parsnips. Producer loves parsnips. I say, I can't get excited about parsnips. Then at Christmas they do honeyed parsnips. Oh, have you ever heard of such a thing? Oh, no, I'm terribly sorry. No, Brussels sprouts are my favourite. Uh, 84850. Phil says, if Scotland get independence, will Scotland Yard have to change their name? And will the RBS change their name if they move out of Scotland? Well, they've said if it's yes, they will move out of Scotland. Where to? I've got no idea. Imagine the staff must be absolutely thrilled. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, oh, so I'm terribly sorry, I've just lost my text messages. I've sort of inadvertently pushed, pushed the wrong, uh, wrong button. Forget wonder drugs, they tell you in the paper today. Here is the, uh, the advice. Try walking for half an hour a day. It fights age-related illnesses. Somebody said to me yesterday, I bumped into a, a lady I know. I see Brenda a lot in Twickenham. I used to work in the chemist. and uh, But I bumped into another lady the other day who lost her dear husband, George, a while back. And she said to me, she said, you're looking really well. I said, never say that to me. I said, it. Then they go, do you know, he looked so well the other day when we saw him. <laughs> 84850, Steve at LBC. Sue says, I'm planting poppies in two weeks from today, my 50th birthday. I need white shirts, Steve. Where'd you get them? I go to M&S, but I think you can get them just about everywhere. And Rob likes mashed sprouts with butter, pepper and cream, and then adds bacon and cheese. Mashed sprouts? I've never heard of such a thing. Ma- is that normal? Is that quite normal? Good Lord. Mashed sprouts. Very odd. 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. Quickly, are the, the front pages of the papers. The Bake Off judges failing to rise to the occasions in front of the Express. David Cameron's tearful plea to Scotland to save the United Kingdom. Uh, Baywatch MP's mum is world champ. And this is superfit Jane Leslie showing a clutch of medals. She started swimming at the age of 39 and took up uh, running and cycling in her 40s. And uh, she's done very well. She's at the age of 65 now. Oh, the happiest place for children. I knew I forgot to tell you. It's Norwich. Norwich is the happiest place for kids nowadays, followed by Leeds, Sheffield, Portsmouth and Glasgow. Amazing. So uh, congratulations if you're in Norwich this morning. Uh, Get the Barbies out again, they're telling you. They say summer is making a sizzling comeback. And I forgot to tell you that, uh, that job that that lady's got... The, uh, this is Emily Keat. What's her favourite job? She is a mermaid. I think she's the only... <laughs> not a real mermaid, quite clearly. But she is the, uh, she is the person who is playing a mermaid. And uh, she thinks it's, it's a great job. I want the knife that melts butter, which is in the Express for today. It's obviously got some sort of battery in it which heats up. And uh, it's encased in titanium... It weighs very little. It's about, um, I don't know. I don't know how much it is. Oh, they, they need money. It's going to retail about £15, but they need money to kickstart it. So they were appealing on the... I think that's an old story. I'm sure we mentioned that before, that they were appealing for money to, uh, to make sure that they actually got this thing underway. But I like the idea of butter straight out of the fridge that you can then actually put onto the, the crumpets, because it's a blooming nuisance when you can't sort of do it. Um... This teenager, Emily Keat, 
has made a six-foot tail out of a swimsuit, sewn and bonded together, and trained for four hours a day to dive and swim wearing it. She also has dyed her hair red to look like uh, Ariel, the character in The Little Mermaid. She makes a living attending children's parties, modelling and promoting clean beaches in the area. Lovely, isn't it, really? You so wish that mermaids really did exist. What do you mean they do? Ridiculous. Listen, just about it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Uh, we have a free podcast for you up in around 30 minutes' time. So that'll be available. Uh, if you go to the LBC website, there's an app that you can download and that will automatically send it to your phone. And if you want to know more about the other podcasting, then if you go to the LBC website, check out the podcasting page from as little as £2 a month, you can download just about everything. Uh, I'm sure that you'll all be enjoying the papers today. Lots of pictures of the, uh, the royal family turning out in force. Charles and Camilla and uh, Wills and Harry at the Invictus Games. Everybody looking very pleased with themselves. And millions of households can finally hit back at the greedy six energy firms by reclaiming money owed to them. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Nick and the team with you at seven o'clock today. It's called Clegg. So you know you're in for a bit of a treat and Yasmin Khan is looking at the papers. Coming up next, the morning news with Lisa Rizzi's. This is LBC.